0: Hey everyone, it's Alex. Uh, real quick, just before the podcast actually begins, I wanted to make a note that uh, we recorded this and right as we ended, uh, two things of news broke. We chose to do the West Division today because of the Arizona trades that happened this week as well as the Mike Hoffman stuff. Um, and then right literally probably five minutes after we ended recording, uh, the news that Broussard is signing with Arizona and Athanasiu signing with LA broke. Um, so I figure I'd touch on that really quick within under a minute here. Um, It doesn't really affect either of our projections, I don't think. Uh, I will say, at least for me, I think Athanasio is the perfect fit for LA on both sides. Uh, Athanasio is going to get one last shot to really show he can play in a top six, or or get that chance, you would think, because they are uh, lacking of talent up there. And he's the perfect stopgap, you know. If he if he finds a breakout game, LA can either trade him for you know more picks, or they can look at re-signing him and see what he, if he can be a piece long-term. Because we we talk about in this episode how they're going to have guys coming in. But as for this year, I really don't think he moves the noodle mountain much at all, it's a great opportunity for him. It's a very low risk. Why not signing for LA? So it makes all the sense in the world why these guys are a fit, but I still think LA is not a very good team. Um, as for Arizona, the Broussard thing I don't really think affects too much either. He might replace kind of what Stefan does, but in a lower role, you know, Brassard's kind of a 3C, I think, at this point. He, he found his game again after, you know, he was great in Ottawa, fell off an absolute cliff in Pittsburgh. I think he had sometime in Florida maybe too, and then went back to the Islanders and seemed to have found his game again in the bottom six type role. So that's kind of what he is, not a massive signing. I, I just wanted to touch on those because uh, it'll probably be another week before we even record, So and it fits in. So I hope everyone enjoys today's podcast, and thank you all for listening. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome back to the MM Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger, along with me is my co host, Chase McCallum. And today we have part uh, three of four, really, in our division previews. We are going out west to the west division. We figured this would be the best one. Um, because there's there's been enough news about this division this week. Uh, you know, at the end, we'll we can touch on some other things. There's two Ottawa trades that I know a couple of people said they were excited to to hear my thoughts on. Um, and we will get there, but I think we'll probably talk on that a little more when we get to Arizona, so we'll get a little sidetracked for a second out at that point. But um, yeah, as always, we are just going to look through um, uh, the division. We have them ranked in the three tiers, lottery teams, uh, teams that might be competing for the playoffs and teams that should be competing for the division title. And uh, this division's a weird one, you know. Um, The past two we've done, there's been pretty clear tiers of where everyone is, I think. Like, it's pretty obvious which team should be the title division, which one is kind of playoff bubble, and which ones aren't. Um, To me, there's two or three teams where if they were in any other division, they would probably be a lottery team. But because they're all in this division with some other bad teams, uh, they're not, they might not be lottery teams or they might be, but they still also might be uh, one point away from the fourth playoff spot. Because uh, honestly, just looking at this division before we get super into it, there's going to be a team here. There's going to be multiple teams in other divisions that get screwed when the fourth place team in this division makes it.
1: Somebody in the North Division and somebody in this division is going to make the playoffs that almost certainly doesn't deserve it. And then but, somebody in the East probably going to get screwed.
0: I think you can even argue in the North Division that like, there's, there's a team that probably would get screwed in the North division. And if they're playing in this division, we'll make it easily. Like, again, I, don't, I know we're not super high on them, but, but like there's a good argument for a lot of these teams to be under 20 in the rank overall rankings. I would say like probably four, maybe five of them. And uh, in the North, it's just like a lot of teams from 12 to 21 or so, right? Like
1: on pinnacles cup odds, they have five of the bottom 10. They remind me a lot of the uh, Leaf old division there's three good teams at the top, and then
0: just a lot of bad. But uh, yeah, yeah, we'll get into it because um, uh, some of that bad is always fun to talk about as well. So um, we'll start with the bottom tier lottery contenders. I'm already going to tell you, I probably have a surprising amount of teams here in terms of I only have two teams, not three, in this bottom tier. So I have I have more
1: tiers than usual because I believe the lottery contenders, the LA Kings, are like way worse than the other lottery contenders.
0: Yeah, I I think that's fair. I have Anaheim kind of with them, just, um, Anaheim's got the John Gibson factor, but I really don't, uh, like their lineup all that much, but, uh, I had LA ranked as the last team in this division and by a, a decent amount as well, you know, like, I think there'll be a couple a decent amount of points behind Anaheim and then another gap behind everyone else, um, This team just is not good, and there's just no real bright spot right now. Like, there is in the future. They have a a really good-looking young core coming, but I just it's not going to be enough right now.
1: Yeah, they're going to be bad, and that's okay. They have a great prospect pool, their own first-round pick, as well as the Blues' second, Leafs' third, and Calgary's fourth. So they have a ton of draft picks. They're going to be bad, and that's okay. I think everybody in this organization expects them to be bad, too.
0: Yeah, and like – Obviously, we have to preface it within a 56-game season. Literally anything can happen. If Drew Downey and Anze Kopodar go back to peak 2014 form or whatever, which Carter and Brown, sure, this team can make a run for the playoffs. But, like, uh, just if we're being realistic, like, there's a lot of areas with literally every other team in this division that you could see a scenario where they sneak into the fourth playoff spot just because there's three great teams in this division and everyone else is meh to bad. This is the only team where it's like so much I think has to go right that I just I don't think can go right for them to really make a playoffs push here.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like, I don't know, maybe Jonathan Quick pops off, too. But the season will be starting in 2021 and 2018 will be the last time we've seen good Jonathan Quick. So that's not super likely at this point.
0: Yeah, like and, you know, they have their backup Cal Patterson, who like everyone It's weird with goalies how everyone's still in the mindset that, like, at 29, you can become a starting goaltender. And some people do, but it's mostly just for the fact that uh, they don't get the chance before that, you know? like um, uh, So it's – I don't know. He's already 26. I I think he'll probably get to split the starting time with Jonathan Quick, which is probably good for this year. But, again, it's kind of like the Linus Olmark thing in Buffalo where it's like – okay, if you're telling me that this guy is the next goalie, that's fine. I'll listen. But, like, when is he coming? Because it's got to be very soon, you know? Like, he's got to show something, like, this year that he's, like a, that he's a starting goaltender, right? Like, he played eight games last year and had a three-goal-saved above average, which, again, it's not bad by any means. Um, two years ago, he played 11 games, had a five-goal-saved above average. So, in the very small sample we've seen, he has been good, but it's been literally, like, 20 games, not even yet. So uh, we need to see more. And I hope that this is the year that they can at least see what they have.
1: Yeah. And I have a, I have a little more sympathy for a Cal Pedersen than a Linus Allmark in Buffalo, because at least Cal Pedersen's blocked by a guy who's been on what they signed him to like an eight year, six million dollar essentially contract, Jonathan Quick. Like he's behind like a legitimate franchise quality. At least he's paid as if he is that kind of a goalie.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's not, yeah, he just hasn't had the sample because there's been, you know, they had um, Jack Campbell there for a while too, right? So he's been, he was the third stringer for a little while. That's why he played so few games. So um, it's definitely a little bit of a different situation because at least we have good priors for him, even if it's just a small sample size. But this is really just the year that they're going to they're going to need to show what they have, you know, um, they have a great prosperous pool. Like I'd say easily top five, you know, Turcotte, Kaliev, they both look great so far in the world juniors. Uh, Quinton Byfield, obviously, Lea's Anderson's work in progress, the Keel Thomas, he played on team Canada a couple of years ago. Uh, and then on the back end, you know, they, they, don't have as many studs, but you know, Cal Clagg, uh, Sean dersey those guys aren't guys you are going to expect to take top three, top two roles, but if at some point this year, you know, it's not like their decor is amazing. If at some point this year they trade like a Matt Roy or even an Ole matter or someone like that, uh, hopefully you get one of those guys to step in and you just kind of see what you have from these guys, you know?
1: Yeah, it'd be a perfect time to give them a shot at least. At least some of the older ones anyways. Like you give Rasmus Kupari or something a shot in the NHL this year. Maybe keep Byfield down, but one of those guys up kind of thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, there's just, there's so many names that they have that, you know, their roster really, it'll be, they're in a tough spot because they have a couple veterans that, like, you don't want to almost retain salary on and trade away. But um, I'm pretty sure both Dustin Brown and Jeff Carter have pretty much said if they go anywhere but L.A., they're just going to retire. So, like, it's tough because it's like, then you look at the bottom of your lineup and, you just have a, like, Martin Fert, uh, Michael Amadio. It's not like you're going to trade those guys. You're probably just going to have to bury them in the minors, you know. But they're fine placeholder, even Trevor Moore to an extent, you know. They're fine placeholders until these rookies get in and, and show what they can actually do.
1: Yeah, and even, like, with Brown and Carter, like, somebody's got to play on the NHL team. These guys aren't good. They're overpaid, but they're not, like – complete disasters either so if you just eat one more year of their deal while you're on a tanking team that's not the end of the world either
0: yeah exactly so uh, yeah i don't know this team um to me is just clearly the the worst team in the division i i think they'll probably be unless they really bring in a bunch of rookies and the rookies actually play really well and i i just i think they'll you will see rookies come in post straight deadline and maybe the team will look better like they did last year almost but i i wouldn't be surprised if they don't start the year with a lot of their guys. Uh, getting called up yeah i could see something like that so i would say this team probably will be bottom three definitely bottom five
1: yeah they're what the second worst team in the league
0: maybe third if you want to put third. ottawa behind them
1: yeah it's, be, it's
0: between them detroit and ottawa i would say
1: yeah that sounds about right
0: and so and and I mean, maybe chicago if Chicago's goaltending just absolutely flames out true
1: but they're they're right. definitely in that bottom tier like they expect yes, to get yeah. lottery pick and that's perfectly okay exactly
0: um so the other team i had uh in the just they're going to probably be a lottery team is the anaheim ducks um again i don't think it's going to be quite to the degree as uh last year maybe or you know as la as bad as la but i, I just i really don't see this team competing for the playoffs unless john gibson just kind of wills them there and again, maybe in this division, I think it's fair enough to have LA almost in their own tier because in this division, I think you can argue that that's realistic enough um, as the fourth seed anyways. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Just up front, it's, I'm always been uh, lower on this team because for years, it feels like we've said Max Jones, Sam Steele, Troy Terry. It's like, Oh, they're the future of this team. Well, guess what? They really haven't showed it so much so that Troy Terry took a three year deal at 1.45 mil because that's how much security he wanted. Like, I just, I don't know. I really, the forwards on this team scare me a lot. Um, There's only so much a 35-year-old Ryan Getzlav can do. Adam Henrique eh, is washed up. Jacob Silverberg at 30 years old. He's okay, but he's not driving his own line. You know, David Backus, Ricard Raquel. There's some, there's names there, but they're just not very good, generally speaking.
1: Yeah, there's just kind of like, there's not even they're not particularly deep, and getslab isn't exactly a stud up top either. Although he's still, you know, a contributor or whatever. He, but he's he's definitely
0: someone I want to see if they retain half on his contract and get flipped to uh, a contending team this year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That would be the ideal scenario. They get hopefully like a first-round pick for him at the deadline, kind of thing, because he still scored at like a sixty-point pace. Oh last yeah,
0: year, he, he just correctly. he can't play defense. The, yeah. the days of him being a Selkie, almost a Selkie level centerman are are long gone. You know, over his past three years from uh, RAPM, his expected goals per 60 is almost two standard deviations below the average, but all of his goals for one or above. So, um, yeah, he can still score in a team. It's just he, he can't be relied on to play the big defensive matchups. But unfortunately for Anaheim, they literally don't have anyone else to be doing that right now.
1: Yeah. So ideally, he goes somewhere where he can just be like a, a nice third line scorer, maybe like run a second power play through him or something like that. But in Anaheim, him having to take the top matchups every night is not going to go well.
0: No, not at all. And like, as I said to the rookies, like I, they have a pretty good prospect pool too. And um, they, we, they got uh Drysdale and um, Trevor Zegres in, and they weren't even top five picks, which is just insane. They have Maxime Comtois as well. Like it'll be interesting to see if he can do anything. Um, Jacob Perot, I think they drafted this year as well. Uh, so they have some names as well. It's just, I, I I don't know if it's going to be enough right now. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, you mentioned at the start, they kind of basically just whiffed on like a generation of picks. So there's no reinforcements right now, even though they have decent prospects. And in that generation, they picked a borderline Norris caliber defenseman, but he's not on the team anymore. So it doesn't matter. Like and everyone is other than Shea Theodore, they whiffed on basically that sort of mini generation of kids. So now there's no reinforcements right now.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like anyone who's 22 or 20, 20 years old to 24 just has not shown much of anything, even though all of them looked incredibly promising. And I don't know, part of that might just be lucky. Part of that, you got to wonder if there's something going on with the minor league systems. Because, uh, you know, to has played games in the past two years and he, he uh, I don't know, he's put up points, but I wouldn't say he's someone that you're going to, expect to change the team necessarily either right like
1: no like it's not even like he looks like a Mangia pain and uh
0: I say his I think. his multi-season numbers have been horrible like just disgustingly bad
1: yeah and he hasn't really played much so it doesn't look like the coaching staff has a huge amount of faith
0: in him either no and with those results I don't know how you can honestly but uh yeah I don't know like they really they need a couple, I think, I don't know. It's tough because they have a potential just all-star goalie in net. And it's like, how do you trade him? And he's got such a long contract that can you trade him? But at the same time, like the best thing for this team is to suck for like two more years, probably get two more years of really high picks and then reload and hope you go with the Zagras and, or uh, sorry, the uh, Drysdale Zegoras core, you know, with the guys you pick this year. And hopefully you can find some assets for trading Orion Getzlav or, Maybe, I, I doubt you'll be able to flip David Backus for much, but, you know, next year, maybe you look to flip a Ricard Raquel. You could probably get good assets for him, I would assume.
1: I would think so. He's kind of fallen from grace. I think it was 2016-17 was his, like, super breakout year where he looked like one of the more promising. Oh, it was 17-18, but he looked super promising. He's kind of fallen off a bit, like, but he's still a very good NHL player on an incredibly, like, reasonable contract. $3.7 is fantastic for what he provides.
0: Yeah. And then on the blue line, again, the thing is that you've kind of like all their guys have two or three years left where, but maybe next year they look uh, to, to kind of sell and, and retool. But I don't know, they don't seem to want to move off of a Josh Manson or a Cam Fowler. Um, you know, I think it's fair that they don't want to move off of Hampus Lindholm, but even Lindholm, if I'm saying the most ideal thing is to rebuild for two more years and then go from there, he's going to be, what, 30 years old by the next time you're even hoping to be competing?
1: Yeah, I think they kind of ticked Josh Manson thing already. It reminds me of what happened with Tanev in uh, Vancouver, where it was like, you could have got the sun and the moon for him, but you waited too long, and now I'm wondering if it it might be too late. Manson, I think, would still have plenty of value, but not as much as he used to.
0: Yeah, that's – yeah, that it'll just – I don't know if they even want to move off of him. Like, I think – there's only so much longer they can go of just accidentally stumbling into like bottom or top 10 picks before it's like, okay, we need to just trade some of these old, not so or guys that aren't as good as they were four years ago and just accept it, you know? And, uh, Corey Perry started like, they're, they're paying Corey Perry 6.6 this year, not to play on their team. Um, so it's not like they, uh, you know, but and, and when they did that, it was the whole thing was to get younger. But like, again, it's just their young players just aren't good enough right now. And that's why unless John Gibson has a really big bounce back here, which is absolutely possible. But um, they need that to happen if they want any chance of competing for the playoffs here.
1: A hundred percent. And it's and, it's too bad for some of the guys like Campus Lindholm and Josh Manson, too, because on on a contender, they're like really good pieces, but on this team, it's like, well, congrats. All they're doing is moving you away from the first overall pick.
0: Yeah, exactly. And like, um, you know, and Gibson needs to bounce back. Like last year, he was a well below replacement goalie. He needs to bounce back to like where he was two years ago, where he was one of the best goalies in the league for this team to even sniff the fourth place spot. I think just because I really don't see where the offense is coming from here. Totally. And I don't know where the defense forward, uh, like, um, up front, I don't know how responsible the forwards are going to be defensively. And that's not good when it's not like you have a team of Toronto Maple Leafs who can just score their way out of trouble. It's not like this team is going to be playing six, seven games or six, five games and winning them, you know? Yeah, like they're not shooting the lights out. They, they have a great
1: top four and like
0: maybe an elite goalie,
1: but yeah, I don't know. It's not – it's it's an ugly look all around with the yeah. forwards can't hang.
0: So I have them as my, the seventh team in this division. Um, if they could honestly, like this division is so bad at the bottom of it that they honestly could go anywhere from four to seven, but I think like four to six or sorry, seventh or sixth is more uh, realistic really, but you never know.
1: Yeah. I have I have on the same tier as the next few teams and ahead of LA, but yeah, I, they're pretty bad. Mainly just because I have faith in a John Gibson bounce back.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think he, I don't know. I go back and forth because he's had some pretty serious injuries too, which scares me a little bit, but it wouldn't shock me if he's not near as bad as he was last year. I just, part of me wonders if we're going to see best goalie in the world, John Gibson, again.
1: I Yeah. That's obviously always unlikely, but I, I could see him getting back into where he's like eighth and goal saved above average or something like that at the end of the year.
0: Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. So this is my technical team of tier of teams. I can see competing for the, the fourth spot in the playoffs Uh, this tier would be empty. I think in a normal year, maybe there'd be one team in it. I think there's one obvious team better than the other two that I have here, but, um, I just put, I, I loaded this tier up a little more just because of how bad this division is that if there is going to be a fourth team making the playoffs, there's probably a couple teams I could see competing for it. I think Anaheim was just kind of on the outside looking in for me. So that's why I had them a little bit lower, but, uh, I hedged my bet here. I think Arizona, in my opinion, would be the favorites if we know they're not going to sell much more this year. That being said, everything we've heard is kind of pointing to that Arizona might be going in a full-fledged rebuild, and I don't know what better way you're going to get assets than to sell your elite to goaltenders. So if they sell Darcy Kemper, I think the Arizona Coyotes fall to like sixth, seventh, or even eighth in this division. But if they keep their goalies all year, I really think they have a good chance at like fourth in this division and even making playoffs
1: if they sell their goalies i think they're at very least worse than anaheim i don't know if they'd be la bad but i still have minnesota ahead of them
0: yeah i don't know i go back and forth i i just think that this team as meh as it is it's, it's somehow...
1: so bad though
0: yeah like i don't mind their defense core though it's like other all right. than I mean, like I, obviously, uh, the, ironically, the one I'm least high on is Oliver Ekman Larson, uh, who yeah. I think everyone would probably point to as their best defenseman, you know, but it's definitely not the uh, stud defense core I thought it, would, it was going to be two years ago, but it's still okay, and it's just they play such a structure where their goaltending is so good that I think it can save itself out of a lot of trouble, which is not something I will say about Minnesota in terms of their goaltending, at least.
1: Oh yeah, well Minnesota's structure props up the goalies. The goalies are just bad.
0: Yeah, whereas this team, it's like I think it's a mix of the goalies are good, but also the structure they play helps them a lot too.
1: But yeah, the goalies are obviously great. But just looking at the roster, they're like what if the Islanders would be if Barzell was Clayton Keller? To me, like there's just nothing to like on any. Yeah, other-
0: but I, I think they have a lot less bad players at the bottom of their lineup than the Islanders too. Like. I don't know. I don't mind Barrett Hayton, you know, even, but just at the bottom of the line, I mean, they they made some moves that didn't help this year either, but like, I like a Christian Fisher at one mil more than any Islanders depth contract.
1: Yeah. More than Ross Johnson or whatever. Yeah.
0: Or like a Drake Kajula at 700 K more than a, I don't know, Cal Clutterbucket or Leo Komarov at 1.5 or whatever, you know? Yeah. I'm not saying they're good. I'm not saying they're good. I just like, I just think that they're better than the other shit teams in this division, considering they have one X factor that we've seen be unreal for like two or three years now. True. That, and they, it's not they, just one goal either is the thing. If it was just Kemper their season was relying on, I'd be scared, but they also have Antiranta who has shown to be a really, really good goaltender when he's healthy.
1: Yeah. As long as he's healthy, he he might actually be the best goalie in the division, which is wild because he's not even penciled to be the starter on his own team. Uh, I think Robin Leonard's probably. Oh, yeah, I forgot Leonard's back in this division. But when Rant has been healthy, he's been,
0: like, ridiculous. He's been been very, very good, yeah. I think he would probably be a top three, top five guy for sure. Um, He's
1: never healthy, unfortunately. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, But, I mean, as a backup, you just hope he can chip in 15 to 20 games in a 56-game season and let Kemper play the rest. And, honestly, if that happens, and if they play the whole year, I think, you know, they'll be in a good spot to be around the playoffs.
1: Yeah, like I could, I wouldn't be particularly shocked if they made the playoffs just because somebody's got to come forth. But I just like everything about all twenty of the wild skaters
0: so much more than them. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I, I get that. I, I'm probably I'm lower on the wild than most stats people, just because the wild have shown us for so many years. It really doesn't matter how good you are a possession if you have no actual good players who can put the puck in the net it really doesn't matter and the wilds still have no good players other than kevin fiala i like i guess but like nick Benino's I'll, not going to be scoring a ton of goals for you
1: no they have more points than the um than the coyotes last year with elite goaltending and that was without kazil kaprasov too though
0: kaprasov's the big one if he can come in and make a legitimate difference that could uh change the way the uh, the wild look, at least, in terms of this playoff race. Um, yeah, and even,
1: like, if you knock his NHLE in, like, half, and he's, like, a 50-point guy, that's still a huge help to this, like, anemic offense.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. These are the two teams I have competing for the fourth spot. I also have San Jose in this um, tier, and I'll explain why in a second, but I think I hedged and put Arizona as the um, – I've ranked them – sixth in this division just because i think if they keep their goaltending they'll be closer to fourth or fifth but if they do re decide to rebuild this year and trade away their goaltending i think they will be like bottom two or three in this division pretty easily
1: they could be the worst team in the league
0: if they trade their goaltending away. yeah i mean there's just it's honestly there's not a lot stopping it like um like the fact that they were that bad last
1: year with like 920s plus from both of their goalies speaks just how horrific that roster is.
0: Yeah. It's just so, and the worst part is like, ideally, obviously you rebuild. Um, Like if me and you had this team, we would be selling any piece we could probably other than like maybe Jacob Chitrin.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And Barrett Hayden, I guess, you know, like Connor Garland, you keep maybe two. There's like a couple pieces that you like, but
0: there's not that much. But like, I can see this ownership and team convincing themselves That with such a wide open fourth spot in this division and they don't have their first round pick this year, why not just go for it for one more year and then rebuild if it doesn't work, you know, like not saying that's the correct thing to do by any means. But like I could easily see the team convincing themselves into that just because it's like, well, if by the end of the year playoffs roll around and we're actually in the playoffs and we can have close to full fans in the stands, that's a good money boost, too.
1: And I never want to be the guy betting against an NHL team thinking they're better than they are.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, which brings me to the next point, the trade they made. Um, so as of the other day, they were $3 million over the cap. However, they are now 3 million under, and that is because they traded one Derek Stepan to the Ottawa Senators for the Columbus Blue Jackets' second round pick in 2021. Um it's amazing to me how many Senators fans think Pierre Dorian is a genius still. Um, I have been on the record saying that I think Dorian has improved what I thought of him at times of time, but after this off season, I'm kind of back to, I think Dorian might be a bottom five GM in the league. I think he did a very good job selling some elite assets, but do I think he did a better job than others would have? Not really. Like, I don't know. There was a couple, like the the Zingle trade was a masterpiece, but like, the Eric Carlson trade looks good now just because the San Jose Sharks backed themselves into a corner with age regression. I don't yeah, the, know if that – like, that's not pure Dorian's doing.
1: No, like, the Carlson trade only looks good because the other team absolutely shit its pants. Like,
0: and it doesn't you, look
1: good because Dorian big-brained them.
0: Yeah, and you accidentally took a year a pick year later because Buffalo had their pick from the year before. Again, I said, like, Ottawa, when they traded Carlson, Ottawa didn't have their first for that year. There was no way that if San Jose's 2020 – because it was conditional on if Buffalo doesn't get this pick, you get 2020. And then it got confirmed that Buffalo will have 2020, so Ottawa gets 20 – or, sorry, 2019, 2020. You know what I mean, right? So they got pushed back a year, and it's like – but no, like, Dorian wanted the 2019 pick, which would have been 26th overall, I think. So, like – It's not like he just big-brained himself into this, oh, yeah, you know, and, like, there's an argument that seven assets is better than, like, one or two first-round picks, but at the same time, it's not like he was touting off this amazing, like some of their prospects develop better than expected too. And that's great. I think that's on the center's organization on how you hit and help develop these prospects. But like, it's not like he was touting Josh Norris as this all-star level player or, you know, the the first round pick is like a possible lottery pick. It was, Oh yeah, this is a pick, you know, like it'll be somewhere in the mid to late first round, but it's, it's better than no first round pick. And it's just like, people seem to think that these moves are just amazing and this Derek step on one people are like oh yeah this is a great move this is not a great move this is a terrible move it's it's, it's a it's a fine move if you would have given up absolutely if you would have given up your 6th round pick or you would have gotten a pick back this move makes no freaking sense to send a second round pick that way to help a team who needs to move the cap space well that's the biggest problem is Ottawa had all
1: the leverage because the coyotes are over the cap and yet they did them a humongous favor by giving up an asset to take an expensive player in a league where everybody
0: has no money. Yeah, and like, Stefan's the perfect player for Ottawa because he's not being paid anything. He's getting paid, I think, a million dollars this year now that the signing bonus is gone. But at the same time, the, league, the, the season is under two weeks away, and the Arizona Coyotes were $3.5 million over the salary cap. And like, it's not like, like there was the any... There, there was no easy way to move that unless you're finding some team to unload Goligoski onto because Jonelson already said he wasn't moving.
1: Yeah, how many teams do you think had the space for step on?
0: There was five, probably, like six maybe other
1: the, than the senators. So, like the coyotes had their back up against a huge wall.
0: Yeah, and like Ottawa just said, No problem, we'll help you out. And again, like, and the, the worst part is it's like. For some reason, people are just penciling in. Like, I saw a bunch of people penciling in that Stepon's going to have a 50-point a year in a full 82 quarter. It's like, why are you expecting that? Like, maybe if he's playing, he's probably going to play high minutes with Ottawa, but, like, he's not good.
1: Yeah, well, it's like, the Senators' offense was terrible last year. And they're like, oh, he's going to have a bounce back. But it's like, it's not like the... It's not like he wasn't getting shots with the Coyotes either and he was still bad. And now he's going to an offense that scored fewer goals and people are penciling him to get better as he ages.
0: Yeah, and they're like, well, he's going to play with, like, Dad and Kachuk." It's like, maybe, but, like, I don't even know if he should be. And it's just – it's one of those things where it's like – it it also brought – prospects from – like, literally, Ottawa's opening lineup is probably going to have Drake Batherson in it, who's a rookie. It's not going to have Eric Branstrom anymore. It's going to have no rookies on the blue line. It is going to have Brady Kachuk, who is 21 years old at left wing, and probably Tim Stutzel as well. So they're going to have two rookies and three guys who are 22 years or younger. That's it for this rebuilding team that's supposed to be super young, bringing in some veterans to help. There's literally no rookies that are going to be starting. Yeah, which is just just not. it, it, It blows my mind it blows my mind and like Josh Norris and there's no reason for Logan around and Josh Norris, to not be in the NHL lineup full-time this year. There's no reason for Eric Branstrom, but guess what? They went and picked up Braden Coburn and Cedric Paquette as well, who both aren't very good players. At least in that deal, you get your second round pick back. But like, I, I, it's, I I don't know. Like, I I just, I don't get it. I don't understand.
1: Yeah. Cause like, what do you want Josh Norris to do to prove, like what is he going to prove this year? He was over. He was a over a point per game or a point per game ish as a twenty year old in the AHL. Like you, not realistically going to beat that. So you're just wasting a year of not finding out if you have something at the NHL level because you're going to play Cedric Paquette and Derek Stepan.
0: Yeah, and it's like the Tampa trade I can get behind because at least they got an asset to help yeah, the cap trouble. Like they got a second round pick, you know. And they gave up Gaverick and Nielsen, who are both going to go on LTI for, LTIR for Tampa. So at least that I can understand. But what I don't understand is doing that deal while you also sign Galchenyuk, you trade for Gabranson. you trade for Watson, you trade for Stepan. No, those things don't fit together because now you have about nine veterans that you've brought in this year, and you have nowhere for your young guys to play. And you're going to be and like people keep going, oh well, this is going to be a super condensed year. Teams hate subbing people in and out if they don't have to. You're going to tell me that if um, Cedric Paquette puts up an assist on an empty net goal, you're really going to take him out of the roster? That's not how NHL coaches work. We know that. So there's just not going to be space for half of these guys unless you really are dedicated to putting guys like Austin Watson or Cedric Paquette on a taxi squad. Or Artemen, Like Arteman Isimov should not be starting for this team, and I'm still worried he's going to be their fourth-line center come opening night. It would not surprise me at all if he is. And so it's just, I I don't know. Like the step on trade blows. I think that is one of the worst trades they've made this year. Just because the fact that they had to give up a second round pick to ensure that a team now is 3 million in cap space blows my damn mind. Especially because he has not been a good player from an analytical standpoint, from a point standpoint, or from an eye test standpoint. And people keep going, oh, look at how much character he has. I don't give a shit. There's literally no one to have character for in this dressing room anymore. Yeah. Like you brought in so many old guys that, like, literally there's going to be three young guys on the team.
1: Yeah. It seems like they're just like dying. They just want to die like death by a thousand cuts. Like they haven't made like a Panarin facade level bad move, but they keep doing things that just make
0: them marginally worse. And every time one of these moves get made, all sense Twitter just goes, well, it's not that bad of a move. It's like, well, no, this one move is not going to kill your franchise. But when you do seven of them in a row, which they've done this offseason, it's going to come back to bite you. Yep. You know, like, like just if they keep spending these picks on not good players, what are the odds that one of the picks that they've had turned into even just an okay player and you look and it's like, well, yeah, we played Eric Branson on our first pair for half of this year. So who really wins? You know, like, it's just, sad. it's just, it's so stupid. And the, the dumbest part to me is if, Kate, okay, if your guys aren't ready to play this year, when are they going to be ready to play? Because you also have another group of players who want to be pushing forward. I even mentioned Philip Chlapik who has shown for three years, he's a full-time NHL player and he's not going to be starting in the NHL this year. Rudolph Bolsers is 23. You should want to know what you have out of him. There's no spot for him. Vitaly Abramov is 22. Um, Josh Norris is 21. Alex Formanton is 21. All of these guys at some point you should be wanting to at least know if they're NHL players and you literally do not have the space for that right now. And the way it's going, why is it going to be any different next year?
1: Yeah. And the other thing is with that, like not only are there question marks, but like just knowing that is incredibly valuable. Like having an idea of whether you can pencil in Philip Chalapik as like your third line center when this team is competitive is a very, very valuable thing. And they don't seem like they seem like they'd rather have Cedric Paquette than that really valuable information about your prospects.
0: Yeah. And, and same with like even more so with Logan Brown, like the dude's 22, you need to know if he's going to be an NHL regular or not, because if he's not same with Eric Branstrom, Eric Branstrom is 22 years or 21 turning 22 this coming year. If he's not an NHL full-timer by like, and it, it doesn't look like he's close guess what? You're probably going to have to cut ties with them on your long-term plans, at least as like where you thought he would, because right now it feels like they're just assuming that at some point, Branstrom's going to be the top four defenseman, but they're literally not giving him a chance to show that he is. So what's going to happen is in two or three years, they're going to be like, we need Branstrom as a top four defenseman and go, oh shoot, why is Branstrom not a top four defenseman? Yeah. Like It's, it's just, yeah. it's one of those things where it just, it feels like there's no actual plan other than just this team, I I really worry that this management group honestly thinks that they're closer to competing than they actually are because like the step on move, I think the dad, one's fine. That's three years, but like the step on move, the Watson side, it just kind of feels like like even the Ochenyuk move, I'm cool with reclamation projects, but you've got reclamation projects within your own rookies that you've got to figure out here, you know, like, so it's like, why are you wasting your roster spots on that? And I don't know. Part of me thinks that it's okay because, you know, the taxi squad is going to have four guys on it. So, But the other part of me says there's nothing in this management or coaching staff that's really made me fully believe that it's going to be Austin Watson, Alex Galchenyuk, Cedric Paquette, and Braden Coburn sitting as the taxi squad members, you know? Oh, I, w- I would not
1: like to bet on the fact that they're going to play all the kids and just sit all the old guys.
0: Yeah. Like, well, if they...
1: even... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, they just all – make like enough money
0: on a team that
1: hates spending money that to me you have to value them at least a little
0: bit yeah absolutely like they're not gonna that's the thing they're not gonna send brayden coburn down because he's got a one-year deal or he's got oh sorry he's got a one-way deal 1.7 so they're not gonna bury him to pay him 1.7 in ahl actually happening and guess what this all hinges on the ahl actually happening and if it doesn't the Sens are screwed because so many of their prospects are not going to have anywhere to play. And I get, you don't want to throw nine prospects into the mix on your NHL team, but like if Josh Norris doesn't have anywhere to play this year, that is a fireball fence from the GM because there was three or four spots that were open before you went and just filled them with bad players. And the other thing is I've seen it online a couple of times. I would be so much more chill about this. If they brought in three of Getty Dadinovs or like, they used a fourth and a fifth – sorry, they used a second, a fourth, and a fifth to get Stepon, um, Gabranson, and Watson. Matt – or sorry, uh, yeah, no, what's his name? Murray, uh, who went to the Devils. Ryan Murray. He Ryan went Murray. for a third, and Andreas Janssen went for, like, a fourth. Do you know how, many, how much better of a pickup those would have been instead of getting Gabranson and Austin Watson for that price?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, if – if, um... And I, I'd be really worried when you mentioned the no AHL to thing too, like that a, you could lose like a whole crop of prospects because they're not playing this year. Literally.
0: And it's like just that's like a
1: really big concern for teams like the Sens that we're going to be relying huge on the AHL. And, and if you do that because you needed to give Cedric Paquette minutes, like.
0: Yeah. It's crazy. not like, it, like you were going to be screwed anyways, because it's not like, you know, there, it was never realistic. That there was going to be nine rookies on this roster. It just wasn't. But, like, literally, there is probably going to be two in an opening night and maybe four by the halfway point of the season. That's pathetic. That's yep. pathetic. And I'm counting Branchum as a rookie, even though he's not technically. But, like, Branchum's not even going to be able to start on this lineup because you now have seven defensemen on NHL contracts. So you're not – like, Ottawa's not going to be burying that. And it's just like – and as much as we preach about a taxi squad, there's a limited number on the taxi squad. It's about four players, right? So maybe – I don't know if that means that you can carry six total because you you always get two extra players or not. If that's the case, they are hinging on the edge. They have right now two, four, six, eight – 10, 12, 14. 14 forwards, seven defensemen, and two goalies. That's without Josh Norris. That is without Philip Chlapik. That is without Eric Branstrom. There are three people that you should have on your team right now, and you don't. And so, like, where where is this ice time coming from? It's just – it's not there.
1: No, it's
0: just – And I just – I. And my biggest fear is for this team, because obviously I don't want to cheer against them, but my biggest fear is that Matt Murray plays great for like 30 games or they just go on an absolute PDO bender and either sneak into the playoffs in the fourth seed or just miss the playoffs by like four points. And the management goes, this is the perfect way to build our roster. We need these guys, you know, because... And as much as people as get, oh, they never think that. That is exactly what happened in 2012. And they did the exact same thing in this offseason where it's like they loaded up and they're like, no, we're actually good. We're going to play the style of middling tier guys where we have a bunch of elite talent elite talent, and a bunch of guys who literally should not be on the NHL ice surface. Yeah. So I, I don't know. That's my rant over, I guess. I'll probably rant more on my actual podcast. But yeah. Um, Sorry to anyone who actually wanted to listen to the the division preview. That was my rant on the Ottawa Senators. I I, I like the Tampa move in a vacuum. I really do. I thought that is exactly what they should have been doing all off season. But to me, the Tampa move makes it look even dumber that they did the other four moves that they did this off season. You know?
1: Yeah, exactly. Because it's just
0: it's just oh. it shows it, it shows exactly what they should do have done.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because like. Um, They had to get to the cap floor. So they were going to have to take on money. But like, even assuming that you do have to take on money, you can just do it in so much smarter ways that bring in assets like second round picks and not Derek Stephon.
0: Yeah. Or like, again, like if they would have done the thing where they used their picks to go get guys, but it was Murray and Andreas or um, Andreas Janssen.
1: Like, yeah, because Janssen went for like a marginal prospect, so it was like a fourth round pick for Janssen or something instead. Yeah,
0: like or just one of their marginal. Like if they if you flipped Rudolph Balzers for Andreas Janssen, that would have been a fine pick. Balsers is twenty three; he's a fringe NHL guy. It's kind of what they flipped for him, anyways. Yeah, you know, like, like Is
1: Schlappic that kind of get like something. Yeah, like
0: yeah, Schlappic's like an actual NHLer who just couldn't find like it's someone like that. Like and Schlappic would have been the exact Joey Anderson kind of trade because I don't think Schlappic has the upside to do anything more than a. Third slash fourth line player, whereas Balser's maybe hit second, probably not. But there's at least a little bit of potential. But like, if you would have flipped one of those guys for a legitimate NHLer, Andreas Janssen, that makes so much more sense to me than picking up Austin Watson for a fourth.
1: Yeah, or even like the Nate Schmidt trade, so that even though that would make your team better, which is not necessarily a great thing when you're tanking, but at least Thomas Chabot isn't on an island then. Kind of yeah. thing.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I just. Uh... It's, I I want, I have, you know, I'm still positive about their future because I think they have a strong prospect pool, but it, between this and just all summer, of people just gobbling up what Pierre Dorian's doing. Like it's just, there's a few accounts I've all and they're great people, amazing people. They're smart too, but it's just like, not everything you have to say is amazing. I get, I'm sure they'd look at me and say not everything has to be bad, but, Like, there's just, like, when you pick up Austin, you go, okay, Erica Branson, not great, whatever. Like, I can get over it. I don't understand why you're giving up an asset for that, but it's a fifth, right? And then you go Austin Watson. It's like, okay, that makes even less sense because he's had character issues in the past. They still (laughs) just go, oh, no, this is a great trade. Trust the team knows what they're doing. It's like, okay, but, like, after, like, the fifth move of it, it's like, I really don't know if they do, you know, like –
1: yeah, and that's the other thing. It's like the biggest concern might be the franchise showing what they value going forward for well, when they do eventually need to be good, right?
0: And we've seen for three years that this this the NHL scouting staff for the Ottawa Senators is pathetic. Their scouting staff is basically asking the coach which guy he's coached before and remembers kind of liking because that's all they trade for. They don't have an actual NHL scouting staff and it's pathetic. Their amateur scouting staff, great. They seem to hit on picks every single year. Their NHL scouting staff, it's... It's horrible. It's honestly garbage. Like Datanov is the best pickup they've had in years in terms of like a free agent signing or even just like a trade target. It feels like anyone they're in on trade talks is just like guys where everyone in the analytics community goes, why would you be in on this guy? Like,
1: yeah, exactly. And it's just, it's just not
0: a good sign going forward. No, so I don't know. Uh, Rant over. Uh, I'm sorry. That probably took a while up, but uh, we'll get back into the division preview now. I think we've kind of covered Arizona. Great goaltending, crappy rest of the roster. But hey, they're under the salary cap now, and they got a second round pick to boot. Yep. So um, for them, let's go. So I had I I hedged. I had Arizona sixth. I think in the actual ranking, I would have San Jose sixth, Um, but I had them in this tier, and I think that might surprise a few people. Um, Maybe not you. I don't know, Uh, but I I think a lot of people kind of just look at the team as what they did last year. You know, like, what have you done for me recently? And uh, if they were really bad, and they were a laughingstock last year, they just assume they're going to be bad again this year. I don't think they'll be good this year, but it would not shock me even a little bit if they see some bounce back, you know?
1: I think they have the highest ceiling of any of the teams in this tier.
0: Yes, I would agree. Like, the problem is the goaltending still.
1: Yeah, the goaltending's still terrible, but they they have players that are, like, really, really good at, or can be at least. Like, I guess yeah. the jury's still out on if Carlson's going to be elite. This yeah, year
0: and, and and that's the thing, right? Like, nine months off might help someone like Eric Carlson who's been so hurt for so long that, like, if he's just back to, like, his body is actually healthy again and he's just back to where he was three years ago, this team just suddenly gets turned around because we've seen exactly what peak Eric Carlson can do for a not good team.
1: Yeah, exactly. he's fantastic and he can completely change your fortunes almost on his
0: own. Exactly. So, and then up front, you know, you have Timo Meyer, Thomas Hurdle, Kevin LeBlanc, uh, Vander Kane, Logan Couture. It's not a horrible top six by any means. Um, uh, The bottom six isn't like disgustingly bad. It's just kind of meh, you know, but there's still upside, I think. And like if you get a little bit of age regression and you need goaltending and and that's really the biggest thing that's why they are very clearly i think if they went out and actually acquired like it's tough because they had no salary cap space but like almost any other goalie in this market maybe i'd feel a lot better about this team i think but like devin dumick to fix your goaltending problems just isn't it
1: yeah i don't have a name off the top of my head but my god's there's got to have been someone better than Devin
0: Dubnik. I think I would have rather see them sign Cam Talbot, who the the Wild ended up signing to replace I completely, Dubnik. I completely agree. Like, you know, like, I don't think he, I wouldn't have trusted Talbot to just lead them to glory or anything, but like that would have been an, a better option. I think. Yeah. So,
1: when your competition is Devin Dubnik, it's, it's hard to be a downgrade.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I think this team is going to be a little better than people expect. Um, But I I don't think they're going to be like their days of being, you know, powerhouses in this division are done for now. That's for sure. They really need to hit a hard reset um, and pick up some prospects because you know they have a couple guys, but uh, their prospect pool still is no, not near good enough. You know,
1: no, not at all. And a high first round pick is probably the best thing for this team's future, even though they might be all right. Yes, I agree. I
0: I think that they could really and I mean like I don't know over like this team is a this is one of the few teams I would really hate to take over just because like they have no prospects and like Carlson's contract, Burns contract, Vlasic's contract, Couture and Kane's contract just go on for so long where it's like you could rebuild you could do a four year rebuild on these teams and there would still be a combined fifty million dollars for three more years on a lot of these guys, three plus years.
1: Yeah, they just have so much bad money.
0: Yeah, so again, maybe this team is I, – I think in, it would be the best thing for them, but if this team ends up in like – I don't know. They miss the playoffs in this division by about two points but end up 20th overall, and then I think next year they really should probably look to start retooling and rebuilding. But I, yeah, I think I, – like, I, I just I honestly think this will come naturally with the court because who who are you selling on this team to rebuild? The problem
1: is any of the pieces you can imagine selling.
0: The answer is oh, no one. The answer is yeah. no one, unless like maybe Evander Kane or you know. But like I don't. I wouldn't want to sell Timo Meyer. That's but, the like,
1: thing. Yeah. you're like it's not a step forward that you uh you sold Timo Meyer.
0: Yeah, but like maybe Thomas Hertl or Van der Kane. You know, maybe you could get a team to bite on their contracts. Uh, definitely Thomas Hertl. But like I'm just sure. saying like. But, like, even maybe Kane, maybe Couture, but then it comes, do you want to trade your captain away, or do you want to just let him ride? I I don't know.
1: And he's got modified no
0: move, too, so it's not even – oh, it's only 15 yeah. still. Yeah, I, I think he would be fine. It would it'd be easy enough to move him if you could find – if you wanted to, but, like, um, I don't think you'd be getting much back for these guys at this point, but even just clearing money off the books might be smart. But it's just I think this the rebuild for this team is going to come naturally as – Kane, Kutcher, even Hurdle and Meyer kind of age, and Carlson, Burns are not, and just keep regressing to, you know, second or third pair defensemen because they're literally not going to have anyone to take over for them, and they're just going to be bad, you know?
1: Yeah, like they're not going to have a choice if
0: the rebuild's coming. Exactly. So, But I think for this year, they might surprise a few teams just because – Again, like, uh, this division just isn't very good, right? So it wouldn't shock me if they took some points off of Arizona, Anaheim, L.A., and suddenly it's them in Minnesota or, you know, Arizona right there with them in the hunt for the fourth spot in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, they beat up on enough bad teams, steal a couple games against Colorado and St. Louis or something like that, and then they could be closer than they should be pretty easily.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um And then I got Minnesota right now. I have Minnesota making the playoffs just because I hedged on Arizona. Uh, I think they are probably, I haven't said Dom's model. I don't think is out on it yet. He's just doing, he's doing the East or the North division right now. Um, But I would assume that Minnesota is probably the most likely out of the grouping we got here to make the playoffs. Correct. I would think so.
1: I have Minnesota here. Again, I don't even really think they're, they're a great team, but I just think they're better than what's left in this division.
0: I do like the upgrade of Cam Talbot over Devin Dubnik. Um, Again, Kirill Kaprasov is going to be the huge what-if, you know? Um, It'll be the big X factor. Because if he comes in and even plays like a second liner, that's that's a huge help to this team. Uh, If he just top score more than his XG implies. Yeah, exactly. The top six desperately needs him to do that because, you know, Right now, it's what? Probably Zachary Z, Matt Zuccarello, Kevin Fiala. It's Fol- ugly. He's no. gone. Oops, he,
1: he can't even back on him.
0: Like, one of Bonino, Janssen, or Felino or Bukestad are going to be have to be... A couple of those guys will probably have to be in the top six. Unless Erickson Act takes a step forward as well, I guess. Yeah, which I'd be a little skeptical of. Yeah. So, like... That's that's really where this team scares me, is I don't think they have much talent at all up top, you know? No, they like, don't have, like, great forwards
1: beyond... Jackson,
0: amazing yeah. defensively. Everybody's amazing defensively, uh, they, defensively. That is the Minnesota Wild motto, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, they... Yeah, like, they really don't have much going for them in forward. Um, their defense is good, obviously. Not great contracts, maybe, but... For this year, yeah. Yeah. Cam Talbot, Staloc, Uh, they might be able to do something in that. I don't know. I, I, I definitely, yeah, I think this team is probably the most likely to be fourth. Um, I would have them probably pretty close if Arizona's coaltending stays the same. I, I don't think they're a lock for fourth, but I think they're probably the favorites out of the really bad teams that are here.
1: Yeah, I agree. And you know their money in the bank to be like, top four in xg in this division it's just whether cam talbot can hold up enough and the goalies can or the shooters can find the back of the net enough to convert those into
0: real goals exactly and i'm assuming marco rossi probably won't play this year but if he actually cracked the lineup that would be an x factor as well just for goal scoring
1: yeah i've seen in the one group chat we're in as well as people on twitter kind of penciling in rossi i would be
0: really surprised if he makes this team although it would be cool I would be shocked if he makes this team, but just because he's an 18 year old in the NHL, you know, like,
1: yeah. And like this, when did like the small high scoring young guys make it right after being drafted? Like Marner didn't make it kind of thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, and Marco Rossi fell all the way down here. So I don't know. I, I would be pretty surprised if maybe he could see his way into this team later in the year, because they might have special rules about like no CHL this year or whatever, but um, I, I would be surprised to see him there just opening day, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I wouldn't rely on him at all. No. For, like, um and I don't know. Like this team is uh they have some ugly looking contracts on the back end, and obviously the Parise went up front, but um they're starting to look a little better in terms of they have a solid prospect pool build or they have a better prospect pool building, anyways. They have two firsts this year, two thirds this year, and the potential to get some more picks, I think, at this deadline, you know, like I think they'll get a pick for Johnson or uh, Johansson, sorry, Marcus Johansson, uh, Nick Bonino, maybe even Bukestead, um, Marcus Felino, You know, like there's four UFAs right there that uh, I think they'll probably be able to get some mid-round pick for.
1: As long as they're smart enough to sell. Because if they're sitting at fourth in this division, they
0: might not be. That's very true as well. Um, yeah, you know what? I didn't really think of that. Maybe that won't happen. But I, I think it would be in their best interest, even if they're going to sneak in the fourth in the division because they're going to get crushed in the playoffs.
1: Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And like you could so easily like Nick Bonino is the exact kind of player that everybody's looking for at the deadline. He can chip in on your third line. He's great defensively and everything. Like you should be able to get like fourth round, third round picks for these kind of guys. Like, yeah, exactly. That's whether they actually do it.
0: Yeah. I don't know if they will now, but (laughs) I think they would, they would be smart to at least.
1: Yeah, I completely agree.
0: Uh, okay, let's go to the top three then. Um, uh, what order do you Who did you have third in this division? Because I'm so, assuming we both have three competing for the division title.
1: Oh, yeah. The top three is super obvious, but I think two are way better than the third. And in third place, I have the St. Louis Blues.
0: I also have the St. Louis Blues. Um, so we'll get to what they did yesterday. Uh, it's. They look better this year than I thought they would, but I think losing Tarasenko for another full year is really going to hurt them, obviously. Um, and
1: with Petrangelo.
0: Yeah, but you know what? Like, I thought Torrey Kruger, Like, they're obviously not going to be as good without Petrangelo, but the Tory Krug replacement was about as good as you can get with um, still, especially considering you saved about $3 million in cap space.
1: Yeah, like, it's still downgrade, but as far as, like, Assuming your expectations have to be reasonable, it's it's about as good as you could expect.
0: Exactly, and then so, so um, they signed in Mike Hoffman yesterday to a professional tryout, uh, which I was shocked at how many people didn't understand what was going on almost right away.
1: Like, admittedly, I didn't at first until because I didn't know that uh, about the uh, that uh, what's his name wasn't on LTIR yet.
0: Yeah, so, well, they are for the offseason, but they have to come off and back on in the regular season uh, for yep. day one. So, for anyone not listening, um, Vladimir Tarasenko and Alexander Steen. Steen obviously retired uh, a week or two ago. Um, he's got one year left at 575 mil. Um, they will both be on LTIR for this year. Uh, Tarasenko, I believe, might be able to come back by the end of the year, but he has, I think, a surgery, so he will not be uh, starting. He will not be playing most of the year anyways with Blues with the Blues, which is a huge loss. Um, but because of that, that frees up roughly 14 million in space, just a little under that probably, um, for them to use. So right now they're a mil over the cap. Uh, they'll have about 13 mil to use under the cap. They need to sign Vince Dunn. Uh, but what they did was they went and signed Mike Hoffman to a PTO, which again, a lot of people were just like, for like two hours were like, I didn't think he was that bad in the room. And it's like, well, no, it's, it's a cap circumvention thing. It's genius. Really? It is super smart. Um, so what the PTO pretty much allows them to do is Mike Hoffman can come in, he can get tested with the team, you know, for COVID and everything. He can practice with the team during training camp, um, but he's not on their official roster. And then when uh, the season starts, and they can actually throw, and they'll be cap like it'll be a lot easier to be cap compliant day one if you just need to bury one million dollars in the minors, not whatever Hoffman's contract is on top of it, right? So I would assume the pres- professional tryout goes all the way until. Whatever the latest date it can. And then as soon as that expires, they're probably going to toss uh, Tarasenko and Steen on LTIR, be under the cap, and sign Mike Hoffman to a one year, five or $6 million deal and be fine for the rest of the year. Yeah, be perfect.
1: Yeah, because for those who don't know, the idea with LTIR is you got to get as close to the cap as is humanly possible before activating. And yep. this should allow them to do that because freeing up a million probably just do a whole bunch of paper transactions on the first day of the season or whenever it's due by literally get, send
0: yeah send Robert Thomas down and that clears most of what you're going to be wearing
1: yeah about. or you wave like Carl Gunnarsson for like a day or something like that, yeah. and, that
0: and then or you, both, get
1: you know like, just under and then you're good to go
0: yeah exactly because you'll be fine because then you're gonna have like 14 million dollars I believe almost 14 million in relief uh if I'm doing the math correct, but they're go- they're going to have enough where they can easily sign Mike Hoffman and probably Vince Dunn and just be okay. Um, yep. So, uh, honestly, a genius move by uh, Doug Armstrong. Yeah, it probably be illegal. How it, it, Yeah, is. well, it's it's clear cap circumvention, but it's the yeah. exact same stuff as like I don't know, like when the Leafs would do whatever they would, like with sending guys to Robidoux. I'm like, no, he's hurt, but like again, it's not like like boy came back and played three playoff games and then had to retire. It's like, okay, like this is as bad as cap circumvention as that can be too. Right. So,
1: Oh yeah. They're not the only teams. Like it, it should all be illegal, but uh, yes,
0: but um yeah, I mean, it's not. And you know, so this is a genius way to get around it. Honestly, like, yeah. Push your edges
1: where you can find them.
0: Yeah. Um. So, and you know, you look at the roster then uh good team, Uh, the, the biggest thing is that I still don't know how I feel about Jordan Bennington. If he is not like a top 20 goalie, I think this team's in a lot of trouble. Top 15, maybe even. Yes. They're very
1: dependent on him. Not because I don't think the roster's good enough to make the playoffs, even with mediocre goaltending in this division, but just because the top guys are so good that they're going to get screwed without good goaltending.
0: Yes, I, I should uh, mention that. I mean, when I say struggle, I think these they're a lock for the playoffs. It's just going to be, if they want to do anything in the playoffs here, I think they're really going to need their goaltending step up because um, it, it'll all depend if Tarasenko's back and healthy for the playoffs. If he is, this team up front looks really good, you know, Ryan O'Reilly with Mike Hoffman on his wing and then Braden Shen, um, Schwartz, Tarasenko, Bozak. Like that's a that's a pretty solid top six. David Perron, Sunquist, Sanford, Blaze, uh, Kyle Clifford, Robert Thomas. You know, like that's they they have a good forward core, and especially if Tarasenko can come back. And then the back end, Krug, Periako, You know, not a, a good top pair. I would say um, Scandella, Falk not as great. And Gunnarsson Bertuzzo, but, or Vince Dunn will be in there somewhere too. So um not a great blue line, but probably average, I would say.
1: Yeah. And like, so Petrangelo is obviously going to be a huge loss this year, but like long-term it might be a blessing in disguise, giving how expensive that contract is in his age. If Vince Dunn turns out to be the real deal and this is what makes them go, wow, we really need to ride Vince Dunn.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, I don't know if he is going to be the real deal. Uh, he's 24. He's put up good numbers though. Like I, he I has think he's
1: amazing he, he, numbers.
0: I, I think he'll definitely benefit from uh, being given like, sorry, the team will benefit from giving him more of a role on this team. That's for
1: His sure. numbers will probably get worse, to be honest, but they can get worse and still be very good because he's been yeah. that effective so far.
0: Yeah, so if you run a top four of crew Periaco, Dunn, and Falk, I guess, and then Scandella, yeah, Bortuzzo right. is your bottom pair. It's not like you have a bad defense pair. I just say it's closer to average than it was elite before, you know?
1: Yeah, when you had two Norris-caliber defensemen, it was
0: obviously better. Yeah, exactly. Now you have a Norris caliber defenseman and uh, a number one, but on the lower tier of number ones. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. I, I still like this roster. I think they, uh, they'll they be interesting. But, yeah, goaltending is going to be the thing to watch if they can make noise in the playoffs, really. Because I, I don't like uh, – I like the other two rosters a lot as well. Um, and so, you know, I, I think you, – you said there was a giant gap between the two. It's weird because I've seen public markets and just the public perception – be pretty low on Vegas and just overall, you know, this year.
1: Yeah. I've noticed a little bit of that too. And it confuses the hell out of me because it's like, I think St. Louis is very good. Like it's not a shot at St. Louis. I just think Vegas is absolutely freaking amazing.
0: Yeah. Well, and like the, 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 the thing I hate hearing most is they traded um Petrangelo for Theodore Statsny and maybe Pacioretty. That's not how that works. No, because that's that's insane that Petrangelo needs to take up three roster spots on your your team.
1: Yeah, because like what if what if Cody Glass fills one of those spots beautifully? Like what if will. he takes a step in Statsny's role?
0: He and he probably because Statsny was their free C last year for most of the year.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like it's that's why people who, for those who don't know, I guess look at wins above replacement, not just like raw points or whatever, because when it's above replacement because when you're gone there's not zero value like when a 20 goal scorer leaves you don't need to replace 20 goals you probably need to replace like 12 or something like that because whoever fills his role will score some even if he's not very
0: good exactly and it's just like it's why it, people still don't wrap their head and it's uh that is the biggest thing i think that you know if you can't wrap your head around that go watch something like moneyball right like um it's the same thing where it's like, no, we don't need to replace all of his numbers. We need three guys who add up to his batting average, right? So if they all yep. hit this thing and they add that on aggregate, then we're good. And people, like, they didn't understand that, but, like, that's just how it works, right? And it's a, kind of the same idea in hockey. Obviously not the same idea, but uh, not the exact same. But if you want to look at just its simplest form, like, yeah, like if, um, you know, you bring in Alex Petrangelo, and we can use a one – you should obviously always use more in one year, but – just for you know, simplicity's sake, let's use one one year, right? Um, if I can find his name on uh, – oh, that's, that's why I'm on goalies. That would be why I can't find his name on uh, – <laughs> He on would be a guy. very good goalie. Yes. Um, if we look at Petrangelo, just last year alone, he brought in 18.2 goals above replacement. Well, then we add the players they got rid of, Nate Schmidt. Um, he had a 4.5 goals above replacement. Uh, Paul Statsney. He had a 5.5 goals above a placement. So now you are at 10. So you're 8.2 in favor of Petrangelo and then choose another player. I don't understand why it needs to be max patch ready. Personally. Um, I think it'll help them get cap space for the next couple years to come, but next year they don't really need the cap space. And again, I would probably just look to move Marc-Andre Fleury next off season for one yeah. year at 3.5. Right. Um, but like, I keep saying move Alex Martinez, but honestly, they don't need to move anyone. They can just,
1: they can pay. They're put, close enough to cap. They can paper transaction their way to cap compliant.
0: Yeah, exactly. Oh, like sure. if they just bury Ryan Reeves in the minor for a, a day or whatever, like they'll, they'll probably be followed. Like if they send, you know, they're tough because they are, sorry, they're someone where the taxi squad might really help them because if you're allowed to have a taxi squad, that doesn't count against the cap, they can just run with a 12, six, two system, but have four taxi squad players on, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So, um, you know, they're close enough where it's like, but let, let's say they lose someone. Let's say up front, uh, I'll, I'll choose William Carrier. Let's just say that's the name they get rid of, okay? That, that puts them under the cap uh, for good, you know, and then they can find someone cheap and they'll probably still be there. Well, guess what? He brought 2.8 goals above replacement. So you still added with one player – You know, getting rid of those other three players, you added up four goals above replacement, and now you have two other roster spots that you can add to that. If either of those roster spots add, say, three goals above replacement, you are now a net positive of like 12, you know, 12 goals above replacement, and your team is much, much better. Exactly. But people don't understand that because they go, oh, just view it as Petrangelo for these three players. It's like, well, no, because that's not how that works.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like, especially if one of those roles gets filled by a Cody glass who takes a step forward like that, they could look way better, not just even like a little bit better.
0: Yeah, exactly. And like, obviously it's, it's always tough to predict because at the same time, if you don't choose the right guy, it could be a net negative guy. So then you're losing goals or above replacement, but like in an ideal world, like I I forgot what I was talking to, I saw Don Moshishan tweeting about it. It was like, like maybe a year ago and he was trying to say, like he was saying what the average game score per position is pretty much. And cause he was explaining the same thing with, uh, I don't know. It was one trade where maybe it was Vegas again, where they had to, they brought in Mark stone, but had to get rid of two or three guys to, you know, make it work. And he was saying, well, it's worth it because it's not just Mark stone you're bringing in it's him plus two roster spots. And if you can't find a guy to have one game score per roster spot, you're probably looking in the wrong spot anyways. Right. Like, well, yeah. Cause that's the other thing with like wins above replacement is it's,
1: Replacement is supposed to be like the guys that you call up from the minors, essentially. So, like, they're just kind of meh, but like, it's really easy to find above replacement level players. Yeah, I mean, like, they're available all the time. Guys who Josh Legal producing...
0: was available for 700 785k this offseason. Like, he's yeah, probably and he's probably gonna put like up like a one more player, like five
1: above yeah. the replacement kind of thing, and you can get him for nothing. Like, good efficient players are really, really easy to find as long as you don't have extreme expectations and think you need, like, 25 goals, guys. But as long as you're happy with Josh Levo pitching in, like, 12 to 15, it's really easy to find decent players.
0: Exactly. And, and so, I don't know. Like, that is one of the things where I, I really don't understand why people are so down on this roster. I, I would be more down on it definitely if they decided to trade Max Batch already because I don't think that makes a lot of sense, in my opinion.
1: No, that would hurt them, especially because how good that Patriotty stone line is.
0: Yeah. But like, if they just pay for transaction their way or literally trade Thomas Nosek somewhere, you know, like. Yeah, William Carrier. Yeah, yeah. Bury someone in the minors for like a week or two or have them on your taxi squad, but their, their contracts in the minors or whatever. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. I don't know. To me, to me, I think they're going to be fine. You know, they'll work their way under the cap. And then this is a pretty good team overall. Like. Or trade Alex Martinez. That's what I, I wrote about that. I don't understand why they are dedicated to him, but someone on Reddit said it was because he's who made Shea Theodore good, and that made my head want to explode. Um yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, you, you look at this team up front, Stone, Pacharetti, uh William Carlson, Riley Smith, Jonathan Marchus, so, and then maybe Cody Glass, but Chandler Stevenson, Alex Tuck, you know, that's a decent top nine, uh, definitely a pretty solid top six. Um and then, you know, the depth isn't too bad either. Nicholas Waugh, uh, Ryan Reeves has a role as a fourth liner. Um, and then on Blue Line, you got Petrangelo and Theodore. That's one of the best one two duos you could get. Um, I would assume you'd probably split them up, right? You go Theodore Martinez and then Petrangelo and whoever.
1: Yeah, I think you basically have to split them up.
0: Yeah, I, I yes, I, I think so. Because you go, if you go, yeah, Martinez, Theodore, and. Holden and Petrangelo or McNabb and Petrangelo, you at least have two really good guys on two pairs that you know. And then your your third pair is probably going to be like Dalstrom and White Cloud, which yeah. whatever. Yeah, it's a third pair. That's fine. And then in that, you have uh, Florian Leonard, probably the best duo in this, uh, maybe other than Ranta and uh, um, Kemper. Yeah. But I would say easily the, the best duo of the teams we expect to do anything in this division. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, 100%. They're just they're very, very, very good up front. They have two of maybe the top 10 Norris favorites on the blue line, and now they have a a probably elite goalie. Like, they're just – there's really no holes here.
0: No, I would say their depth is maybe a hole. It's not a glaring hole, though. It's just that that's the weak point in their roster, but I would rather try and patch that through the year than I would top-end talent, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, you can Um, find
1: a a guy who can play – Second pair right D with Shay Theodore at the deadline, easy, exactly.
0: Enough. Yeah, um, did you have Vegas two or one in your division? I had them two, I considered them one, but I, uh, I had them two as well. I
1: so long as the Colorado
0: Avalanche, right? Like, yeah, they're just so good. There's so much upside here, I think, with this team, too. And it's just like the thing with me is they almost. I don't think they did, but they almost underperformed my expectations last year. Like, maybe, you know, I thought they were going to go a little further in the playoffs, but they ran into a Dallas team, and that's almost lucky. That's a lot of luck anyways. But, like, even in the regular season, they finished second with 92 points. Um, I thought they were going to win the division pretty handily, and they, they dealt with a lot of injuries, to be fair. But that team that, to me, kind of disappointed, upgraded in almost every possible way this year. Like, they yeah, added I- – they added Brandon Sod for getting rid of Nikita Zadorov, who they then replaced with Devon Taves. Yeah. Like that's just huge. And, and then they're pretty much bringing back the same team who was all really good, you know, and plus the addition of possible guys like Martin Cout, Shane, ba- I don't think Shane Bowers will help them this year, but maybe Martin Cout steps up or like, uh, you know, even there's a Bowen Byram who they could, Connor Timmins who they could use throughout the year. Um, I don't know if they will get playing time just because the defense core is already so good, but like, that's the thing that's great about this team is if they really feel they could make a move in their defense core, like they could trade a Ryan Graves and Ian Cole even, and just be fine because they have internal guys to replace those guys.
1: Yeah, exactly. Or like, they don't have um, a ton of picks, but when you're this good now, you can talk yourself into selling out for the run pretty easily.
0: Yeah. What I mean, like, I don't even know like where, like, obviously guys are going to come up, but like, you know, like this team is just, they're really, really good like Landisgard, McKinnon, Rantanen, Sod, Cadre, uh, and probably Burakovsky, or you know maybe you put uh, Nishkinen in there instead. But like that's a great top six, especially obviously an unreal first line. I think I think they'd be better off splitting up the first line, going like um, um, Sod, McKinnon. Burakovsky maybe, or maybe even uh, Ranton and McKinnon and Burakovsky or something like that, and then Saad Landeskog, Kadri. Like,
1: yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I don't feel super passionate about which way they should split up the first line, but I think it's generally a good idea to spread the wealth, have the best line on the ice more often.
0: Yeah, generally- and, and I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll pencil Burakovsky that. in there. That way, they can have Natchukin on the third line as their shutdown one, and that gives them some good depth too. They really need Jonas Donskoy to not be absolutely atrocious like he was last year. That's the one really big thing I think on this team. Um, yes. If they're like they I thought I like the contract when I thought it was a good bet, but he was really bad last year, like just horrible. So um, you know, he's someone that you gotta keep an eye on. But generally speaking, like the, the depth that forward isn't gonna absolutely blow you away, but it's just solid enough, and you know, the addition up front really helps. I think I would still probably want to see them find another goal score in their bottom six, but maybe you're hoping sod dumps Don's down a bit and he can become that on your third or fourth line.
1: Yeah. Which is a pretty reasonable bet given our priors on Don's
0: Yeah, I think so. And then on the blue line, obviously like you're just, it's an embarrassment of riches. Um, McCarr and Eric Johnson or sorry, McCarr and Gerard are probably your top pair. And then Taves Johnson, probably the second pair and, uh, Cole and Graves is your third pair, I would assume. And then you have Bowen Byram, Connor Timmons. Uh, you just have a, a whole option of guys in the minors that you can call up if needed. Yeah. It's especially
1: ridiculous since you could pretty much, you could pencil in Kale McCarr to be
0: getting better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you would think maybe, maybe not by a ton, but even marginally better.
1: Yeah. This like, is funny too. like if he took a, a step forward, it shouldn't really surprise anyone.
0: No, not at all. I I should say don't expect necessarily – like, because the the other thing is I think people get disappointed when he stays as like the 16th best defenseman in the league or whatever he was last year, you know? like, But that's not necessarily a bad thing for a 22-year-old either.
1: Yeah, when you're a certain level of quality, it does get really difficult to actually get better, but still wouldn't be the craziest thing ever if he did.
0: No, not at all. Um, or even if he just got better in things that, you know, maybe we, it's, it's very subtle, but it's like he, he's more reliable in his own end, and his offensive game took a step back from that. But overall, the team is good enough offensively, that's okay, and that helps them in the long term, you know?
1: Yeah, it's like a net positive, even though he does have to take a slight step back in one area to get there.
0: Yeah, um, and then the, the goalies, this is still where it kind of worries me. Grubauer and Frank Hoos, I would have really liked to see them move Frank Hoos and go pick up like a Cam Talbot or someone like that. Um, you know, someone for like $3 million where they probably, I think they would add space. For, yeah. They would add space for that. If you move Frank, who was instead of resigning him, uh, this is the, this is the biggest area for me. you know, we said that, uh, Vegas, duo was one of the best just because, you know, Robin Leonard's elite. And I think Flory can still be a very solid backup. You know, I think he would probably be on the upper edge of backups, but like Grubauer struggles to stay healthy. And when he is, he's what, like the 15th best goalie in the league, 20th, maybe. Yeah that and they, they, this is their obvious hole. yeah and frank who's is the 30th best goalie in the league kind of ish maybe 40th like he's, he's in that pretty good backup tier to not quite a starter i think yeah so uh, that, that this is definitely their most obvious hole and um it, i don't think their goaltending is necessarily going to steal them anything but they built this roster in such a way where it, it shouldn't need to either
1: Yeah, exactly. And one nice thing they have that Vegas really doesn't, as good as Mark Stone is, is like a top three player in the league who can just like carry everything even when everything else is broken.
0: Well, and that's such a power position too, right? Like the center position is, as much as I love Stone, there's only so much you can do from the wing compared to the center position.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like it's just so, it's such a huge thing to have one of the best centermen in the league. It's not... It's not an accident that the best centermen in the league have been like your Crosby, Kopitar, and Tases, have been so freaking successful over the past 10 years or whatever.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's always why when someone asks, um, would you rather build from the blue line out or the four core out? I say just based on what we've seen in history, probably the four core. You know, and it, that doesn't mean like if Nashville wins a cup or um, San Jose wins a cup against those Pittsburgh teams, which – Again, it's not like they both lost in six. It's not like it's that you know a bounce here, bounce there, something goes the other way, right? Um, uh, maybe we're looking at it different. Where it's like you need the big defense core, but ideally, I think what most teams have shown you, other than like the one Pittsburgh team that won with like Ron Hainsey as their number one defenseman, is usually it's helpful to have real one absolutely the game changing elite centerman, a couple other really elite forwards, whether that's a Malkin or a Kane, you know, or someone up front like that. Um, kind of. And then one really, really good defense with a bunch of other, and then the rest of your team just needs to be solid too. Right. But, yeah. and then you need the goaltending and get hot at the right time, but specifically exactly. it's
1: like the center that always seems to be the hardest thing for everyone else to
0: find. For sure. And, and, and it's like, obviously it's a lot of luck, but it's like, yeah, if you're, you can't, um, there's nothing you can really do to change the fact that your goaltending is going to get hot for three weeks in, in April. Right. But you can make sure that you've built your team so that you have a really good center core, a good uh, you know wing tail help flank them, and then just a solid defense core so that you give your goaltending the best possible chance to get hot at the right time, right?
1: Exactly. You you put them in a position to succeed, and then basically just pray everything goes right because there's only so much you can control.
0: Yep. I mean, look at Tampa. Like again, people want to. Um, Credit the Coleman and the Goudreaux of the world or the, the fact that they got embarrassed the year before in reality, it's just, they didn't blow it up. Like half the media wanted them to, and they just gave this stupid elite core a fifth chance to go for the cup.
1: Yeah. Or like Washington, probably like the yep. seventh best Washington capitals team of our lifetime was the one that won the cup. Because if you keep just throwing really, really good rosters at the playoffs,
0: you um, sometimes hopefully you get, lucky. You get
1: there eventually. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, Um, That's our division preview for the West Division. Uh, We have uh, Colorado slash Vegas, and then maybe St. Louis is a little bit of a distant third, and then a giant chasm, I believe, and then some mix of Minnesota, Arizona maybe San Jose, maybe Anaheim, and then another pretty big leap in L.A. Uh, So let us know what you guys think, uh, you know, what you have projected and everything like that. Um, As always, you can find both Chase and I's work at lastwordonhockey.com. You can find my other work at milehighhockey.com. You can find me on Twitter at NHLSems and stuff. Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for a great year. This will officially be our last episode of 2020, considering we're – filming it on the 28th and it'll be out on the 29th. Uh, so we will be back the first week of January, I would assume with our last division preview, but thank you everyone for listening all year. It's uh, it's been a lot of fun to do this every week or, you know, almost every week. And it's uh, it's been a good, good way to kill time during a, a global pandemic as well. So. Um,
1: exactly.
0: Uh, I don't know if you have anything else to say, say Chase. No, I uh,
1: just happy
0: holidays. Happy new year to everybody. Yep. Stay safe out there. You know, I know in Ontario we're, we're in lockdown, so um, outdoors only if we're going to see anyone. And even then it's really small groups. So, you know, just stay safe, everyone, you know, stay, wear your mask, stay six feet apart. And uh, hopefully this all gets better soon. Thank you everyone for listening. And we'll talk to you all next week.